Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Hey, it is good to be back in the house at Awaken Church. If we've not had the chance to meet, uh, my name is Brandon, and uh, I serve as a lead pastor preaching and culture here at Awaken Church. And what that means is uh, I have a huge passion for preaching God's Word and also uh, for really guiding the culture of who we are at Awaken Church. Now, before I jump into God's Word this morning, uh, what I want to do is take a moment and give thanks and honor to some people that highly deserve it. Uh, Over the last several Sundays, uh, my family, we've had the opportunity to be away on vacation. Uh, I don't take that for granted, but I want you to know that uh, while I was away, we have incredible leaders and pastors that stepped up at Awaken Church uh, and really didn't do anything. Yep, go ahead and clap. They do it every week. Uh, but the guys, I want to start with the guys that were on the platform delivering God's word, uh, Pastor Tevin and Pastor Sean and Pastor Robbie and Pastor Lucas. These guys delivered incredible sermons over the last four weeks. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to the test positive series that they preached through, please do that. Uh, get on the app, get online, figure out a way to listen to those messages because they were incredible. I got to hear every single one of them, uh, either from the airport or back home whenever we got signal. We were in Yellowstone, so obviously there was no signal. But um, I got to experience church in that way. Uh, second group of people I want to give some thanks to is our worship and production teams. Can we give some love there? Because y'all, they're really good, by the way. Uh, but it was cool to, to dial in and worship online with this church family, even from all the way across the country. I want to thank uh, all the teams and volunteers that make Awaken Church operate any given Sunday, our greeters, our parking lot, our A-kids. Can we just give thanks to all the volunteers and A-teams in the house? And you may be asking the question, uh, why, why, are we, why are we giving notice or why is he calling on all these people? Here's why, y'all. We have an amazing church. Awaken Church is an amazing place. We are the body of Christ. And I believe that when God looks down on Awaken Church, he is really pleased at what he sees. And uh, we see people giving their lives to Jesus. We see lives being enriched. We see addictions being overcome. We see marriages being restored, families being redeemed. We're seeing God do incredible things in our midst. And so if this is your first time here and you were called a VIP earlier or a very important person, welcome to the movement called Awaken Church. I believe God's just getting started with what he's doing here. I met a guy after the early service. His name was Mark. And uh, we connected right over there after the service. He'd only been here for a couple times. He's building a house on Wapoo Road here in West Ashley. Or I'm sorry, there in West Ashley. And uh, I told him, I said, look, what God's doing here is unique. I walked him, introduced him to a good friend of mine, Scott. Because I believe that we grow in our faith through relationships here at Awaken Church. You're probably going to see that if you're new here. You're going to see somebody going, hey, I want you to meet somebody. Or I want you to meet somebody. Or I, got you to, I want you to meet my friend, my, my friend Russ Lloyd this morning. He said, hey, Pastor B, come here. I need to introduce you to somebody. And introduced me to someone who's been here for three Sundays, but was already serving in an orange church. This is who we are at Awaken Church, amen? This is who we are. So I want to jump into this series uh, called This Is How We Do It. And honestly, it's hard to say it without singing it. Would y'all agree? This is how we do it. Little Montel. And 
And if y'all are like, I'm not about that vibe from the 90s, then you could go like modern day. This is how we do how we do, right? My daughter taught me the dance, the whole, girl, we fancy like Applebee's on a dance. (laughs) I was like, if I do that, I'm going to mess it up and I'll be some viral, jacked up YouTube clip. Everybody will make fun of me. So I'm not doing that. How we do church. Y'all, can we agree church can be done in a bunch of different ways? Uh, There's a lot of different variations of church. Maybe the church that you grew up in uh, looked and sound a lot different than what you've experienced so far this morning. Uh, I grew up in a church where, you know, the, the, the preacher had a suit on and we had a choir loft and there were people in robes and we had an organ. How many organ people we got out there? Just throw your hand up real quick. Amen. Let's redeem some hymns. Amen. All this loud drum beating stuff. What are we doing? Church can be done different ways. And this is not to say, what I want you to hear me say as we work through this series over the next, uh, this Sunday and next four weeks, is not that uh, this is the only way to do church. I don't want you to hear me say this is the right way to do church, but I do want you to hear me say this is how we do church. And, and it's important as you come in, you realize, hey, there's certain ways that Awaken operates and kind of what we do as the body of Christ here at Awaken Church, and you gotta figure out how you're gonna work yourself into that. Now, uh, before we jump in, I want you to, in your minds, come up with who your favorite teacher was growing up. Right, like we're on the verge of going back to school. If you're going back to school in a couple weeks, would you just make some noise real quick? Ain't nobody getting excited about going back to school, right? I want you to think about school when you went and, and uh, who your favorite teacher was. My, my favorite teacher in fifth grade, Miss Summers comes to mind. I love Miss Summers. I can't remember one thing she taught me, but what I do remember is who she was in the, now, now listen, I picked up something from fifth grade, amen? Like I, I, I grabbed the stuff along the way. But what I love about Miss Summers wasn't her lesson plans. It was, it was how she led her classroom, right? It was whatever her class rules were or how she let us kind of walk around the school when we wanted to or uh, when, hey, I'm, I'm going on a bathroom break and I come back 30 minutes later. You know, she just trusted me, didn't really care. Uh, I was a good student. I could get away with stuff like that. She wasn't real strict with the rules. We got to eat in her classroom, if you're a teacher, just let them eat snacks. I promise they'll listen more, right? We, we, all, we all have certain teachers that we reflect back on, or professors, that we love for a reason. And it, it wasn't necessarily what they taught us. It was more like who they were and how they did school or how they did class. We also have teachers or professors that maybe we don't like for a reason too. And it was how they did class. I remember being in college, college of Charleston, uh, my uh, we had to take a foreign language, and so my foreign language of choice was French. Why? I don't know. You can't do anything with it. Like, if you're going to pick a foreign language, choose Spanish. At least you can do something international business-wise. But France, I, was, I, I, I took French. So French, two, oh, for French 101 as my freshman year, I did really, I did okay. I was an average student. We got to read things in English. We actually spoke in English. And every now and then we have exercises where we spoke in French. Well, my sophomore year, when I went into French 201, walk into class the first day, and nobody's speaking English. In fact, my professor just opens up the class speaking in French. Now, all summer I've been away from a foreign language. And y'all, my free time, sorry, I didn't practice French. At least speaking, right? (laughs) Uh, And (laughs) got my wife over here, amen, Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) Got kids in here too, what's up, Bryson? that's a whole other sermon. But I remember looking at the syllabus as my professor is up there 
speaking in French. And on the syllabus, it clearly stated that this class, both verbally and written skills, will be 100% in French. And I sat through 45 minutes of not understanding anything until I heard my name, right? Not, I didn't know one thing. And I was like, I can't do this. I cannot make it in this class. I would walk out that day, withdraw from French 201. Now later, listen, I was a diagnosed auditory, auditory processing disorder. So I got to place out of that class. What that means is uh, I can't understand things if the uh, wrong emphasis is put on the wrong syllable. They'll copy. So, and my wife would say, listen, you still don't understand things when I say them to you. I, I had to realize pretty quickly, I'm not going to make it in this French class if this is how we're going to do class. I think I could have passed it if we would have spoken in English, right? If there'd been a little grace period. But the fact is, that's not how that teacher was going to operate. So I wasn't going to make it. Well, here's what this series is for Awakened Church. My hope and prayer, and I believe that in five weeks, you will have a holistic summary of how we do church here at Awaken. How we do church here at Awaken. What, what kind of you can expect from the church and kind of what the church can expect from you, what it looks like for you to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ here at Awaken Church. This is how we do this thing. And I think the clearest picture of how we do church or how we should do church is found in the book of Acts. So if you got your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. Now I said earlier, there's a lot of different ways to do church. Some are preference, some are opinion, right? And can I just say, some ways of doing church that are out there, I think are just kind of wrong. And I, I, we gotta be able to call that out too, right? I'm, this is a church plant, in case you didn't know. Eight years ago, uh, this church was started out of our living room and God's just done a tremendous work in and through Awakened Church here in the city and I'm incredibly grateful to him for it. From the very beginning of Awakened Church, these were the values of who we are and how we were gonna do church. But as a church planter, right, someone who starts churches, which I'm not an expert, just started one. But in church planting, there's a lot of different ideas about what church should look like or how church should operate. And most are really, really good. Some are just wrong. And, and I'm not going to go into that today. But I want us to know that these, these characteristics that I'm going to be talking about that we find in the book of Acts and we find in the early church, I think give us some really solid pillars to build on here and show us exactly how the people of God should operate being a reflection of him to the world. Acts chapter two, verse 42 is where we're gonna pick up. Now to give you some context, here's what has happened. Jesus, who we know is the son of God, Jesus who came and lived for 33 years, spent the last three years of his life in public ministry. That means that he, he walked along the Sea of Galilee, he walked through the roads of Nazareth and Jerusalem and he called disciples to himself. He called people, hey, come follow me and I'll teach you how to be fishers of men. I'll teach you how God wants you to live. And so for three years, we see Jesus carrying out this ministry. At the end of those three years, he was arrested, crucified. He died on a cross for your sins and for mine. He was placed in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Luke tells us that for the next 40 days after he rose, he appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses. He ate with his disciples. He talked with his disciples. And then in Acts chapter one, Jesus goes back into heaven. He ascends from the Mount of Olives back into heaven, tells his followers, I want you to get in a room and wait on the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, then you're gonna be empowered to do great things. 
Acts chapter one, Holy Spirit falls. Acts chapter two, Peter, Jesus, best friend, leader of the early church, preaches a sermon, 3,000 people are saved, and the church is birthed right here in Acts chapter two. And so for us, if we're gonna be followers of Jesus and a continuation of this church, the New Testament church that was started 2,000 years ago, we would do well to figure out how they did church, right? This is, this is what we find out. Acts chapter two, verse 42. This is what we find. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is a picture of the people of God in the midst of a culture that didn't worship and love that same God. These are the followers of Jesus in a culture that actually killed Jesus. And God's blessing this family. He's blessing this community. And they moved forward, and I love that part. They experienced goodwill with all the people, not just Christians, but the entire city. And, and this may be news to some of you, like, I don't know what church background is, but we, as the people of God, should be a blessing to our city. Wouldn't you agree? Like, when they look in, they shouldn't be like, ah, those judgmental, hateful people. They should be like, no, we're thankful that Awakened Church is here. We're thankful that Awakened Church is in our city. We like those people. We love those people. Yeah, we may not even believe they're same God right now, but we're thankful that they're here. We want to be a blessing to this city. And I want to say to those of you who would identify as Christians, who would say that you're followers of Jesus this morning, I believe, I believe this with all my heart, that the most important decision you can make, the most important decision you can make is where you're going to put your roots down in a local church. This church This church, some of you that are single right now, you're gonna meet your husband or wife in this church. That might have been the hope that you needed this morning. Now listen, you can meet him somewhere else, right? You can meet him at at Prohibition Bar downtown, or you can meet him at Edmonds Oast, or you can meet him at uh, Saltwater Cowboys. You You could meet your spouse somewhere else, but I promise if you start here, like you'll have a little less work to do, amen? You might meet your spouse in this place. For those of you who don't have kids yet, but maybe you're praying and planning through having kids, guess what? This is gonna be house. This will be the house through which your kids meet Jesus. Now, yes, it's your responsibility as a parent to actually introduce them to Jesus. We're gonna equip you on how to do that, right? But, but think about that. The next generation, your family is gonna be shaped spiritually by whatever church you decide to put your roots down in. The writer of Psalms says that those who root themselves in the house of God flourish like the palm trees of Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon, right? What's that mean? You're gonna grow healthy and you're gonna actually be strong based on whatever church you choose to root down in. For those marriages that are out there, listen, I hope every day of your marriage is golden. I hope it. But you may go through some challenges. You know the people that are gonna strengthen and support you in those challenging days? They're in this church. People that are gonna pray for you? They're in this church. After the first service, I was talking with good friends of mine, Nate and Allie. And Allie shared with me a prayer request that had to deal with her family. And I thought to myself, what a privilege that we get to bear each other's 
burdens and pray with one another as a church. That's the value of who you surround yourself with. You become like the people that you put yourself around. Church is a community of family for that reason, right? This is the most important decision spiritually that you can make after, of course, giving your life to Jesus. So four core values that we see in the early church that we are committed to here at Awaken Church. And I'm gonna be preaching in detail on each one of these in the weeks to come, but an overview today is this. The first one is this. We're committed and we will gather together for worship. Taking notes, write it down. We will gather together for worship. How many of y'all know there's something special when we come into this room together as believers? There's something, there's something special when we come together. Listen, I told you earlier, my wife and I, Ashley, we were able to worship online from across the country, and it was good. Like, it was good being able to dial in. I can promise you this. Me singing Jaira in an airport pales in comparison to me singing in that front row with Zoe leading me. Amen? Because I can't hear myself when Zoe's leading. But I'm sitting in the airport, Jaira, you are, and then people's looking, you know? It's just weird. But I found myself watching the service going, I need to be in the room. I can't wait to get back in the room. Because church is different in the room. It's different, it's different when you're in here. Now listen, somebody's worshiping online right now. I know we have the Laughlins in Nashville. I know we got church family that are in Jekyll Island and Hilton Head this week. I get messages on Instagram. Hey, I'm not gonna be there. I'll be there next week. And that's, that's cool. And if you can't be here, obviously, dial in. We want you to dial in. I want you to miss. I want you to miss what God's doing. But by all means, if you're in town, man, get in the house. Get in the house. Look at what the Bible says about these early believers. It's found right there in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves They devoted themselves to this process of coming together for the apostles' teaching. You go, where did the apostles teach? Y'all, they taught at the temple. They didn't have a Bible to go through. So it wasn't like, oh, we can, um, you know, we got all these home groups. Oh, Peter's coming by this week to teach us. Or James is coming in this week to teach us. Or yeah, we get to hear from John this week. It would have been impossible for that rotation to happen. But we hear they went to the temple every single week for what? That's where they went to worship God and hear the teaching from the apostles about what Jesus taught. And they got to share firsthand the the stories of what Jesus taught and the miracles that Jesus did and what it actually meant for them. That word devoted, if you're taking notes, the Greek word that we find there, it's the Greek word proskartario. Let's say it together, y'all ready? It's class, we're back to school, remember? Proskartario on three, one, two, three. Proskartario. In the Greek, here's what it means. It literally translated means an intense commitment to continue something. An intense commitment to continue something. In the first century, the obstacle that they faced that required devotion was persecution. Now now track with me here. What that meant was when the early church was persecuted, For you to go to the temple meant you being found out. For you to be a Christian meant you being found out. And if you got found out, guess what? You could go to prison or you could be killed for your faith. So persecution, if I know I'm about to be persecuted, it takes a devotion. Hey, no matter what I'm about to face, I'm going anyway. We don't face the same persecution today. Now, maybe some of y'all got your feelings hurt on social media before and you're like, I'm being persecuted as a Christian. Let's get past that real quick. We don't face persecution. What we deal with is distraction and busyness. The thing that keeps us from going to the temple, a.k.a. the church, is busyness or distraction, right? And I just think the enemy goes, look, I don't need to send somebody to necessarily persecute them. I just need to give them travel baseball or 
I don't really need to send somebody to persecute them, like to keep them from the church parking lot. Let's just put the church by the beach. Isle of Palms and Folly and Sullivan's does a good job keeping people out of church, amen? Or maybe I'll bless them with a boat. I know I'm hurting you this morning. Listen, our, our, our obstacle that takes devotion is distraction or busyness. And so that's why I think for us, we have to be devoted. Hey, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get into the house, to gather together. Why? Because when we come in this place, we worship two ways. One, vertically. Like we believe our worship is vertical. We come together, we sing praises to God, we acknowledge who he is and what he's done. That's the songs that we sing when we come into this place. That's why you see arms lifted high as we're singing up worship, we're lifting up worship. But it's not just ourselves that we're talking about. Look what Psalms 95 says. The writer of Psalms says this. He says, come let us sing to the Lord and let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation and let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing songs of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. So come, let us worship and bow down and let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. You see all the plurals there? We are made to exist in community together. Listen, worship in your car is a good thing. Put it on Spotify, get your worship playlist. But I promise you it's different when you surround yourself with Christians on a Sunday who are worshiping the same God. There's there's a momentum that happens to our faith when we get to worship together. And I believe that element's missing if we try to isolate and vertical worship to God ourselves. I was was reading an article, ESPN article, about uh, the NFL and restarting the season. And obviously this season they get to have fans. Last season you had uh, all the NFL players, these guys that are superstars that have played in front of tens of thousands of people their entire lives, played in packed stadiums their entire lives, Last fall, they had no fans. And so they would go into uh, like the Superdome in New Orleans, 60,000 seats, thinks about the number. Nobody in the building. And they line up on the field and they're on TV and the players psychologically had to deal with the disparity that people weren't in the building. And, And ESPN was asking some of the players how they thought. And there was this quote by New England Patriots cornerback, Jason McCourty. And this is what he said. And I think this is powerful as it relates to worship together. Listen. He said, when you play in a stadium with no fans, no noise, you got to bring your own energy for three hours. And when you win, there's nobody to high five. There's no kid to throw your gloves to. You come to the realization that you're going to have to do a lot of this yourself, generate a lot of the energy yourself. Now, I want to contrast this a little bit with worshiping together, okay? Like, track with me and and listen to this quote through the lens of what it means to worship with other people. He said this, when you play in a stadium with no fans, might I inject when you worship by yourself? There's no noise. you got to bring your own energy for three hours. When you win, there's nobody to high five. There's no kid to give your gloves to. You come to the realization that you got to do a lot of this yourself and generate a lot of energy, energy yourself. Can I just tell you that when you try to do church by yourself or you try to walk with God by yourself, it takes a whole lot more energy than when you have people around you helping you do that. And in your spiritual walk, when you win by yourself, guess what? Nobody knows about it because you're in isolation. When you, when you have something to give away, guess what? You got nobody to give it to. You know what? Because you're in isolation. But man, when you're in community and you're worshiping in community and you got other people around you, when you walk up in here and you've conquered some kind of addiction, guess what? Hey, man, look what God did in my life. 
Or when, when God answers a prayer in your life, guess what? You got somebody to celebrate with. That's the point of church. We got to do this thing together. It's not meant to be lived in isolation and nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in the New Testament do we see this personal decision to follow Jesus that doesn't affect the community around me. And so as we think about what it means to gather together for worship, yes, it's vertical praise, but it's also horizontal in nature. It means that everybody you see here on a Sunday with an orange t-shirt on that holds a door and says good morning and smiles at you or high fives you or hugs you, guess what? That is a part of their worship. And as they love, serve, and care for you, it's worship back to God. It's why Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter five, talking about the spiritual gifts, the way that we love one another, the way that we're patient with one another, the way that we encourage one another. These are all our acts of worship as believers. So we, yes, the, the point of coming together like this on a Sunday, absolutely to vertical, vertically give worship to God. But let's never miss the fact that we got people around us. And the way we love, serve, and care for those around us is a part of our worship. Second thing we're committed to here at Awaken Church, we will grow in our faith through relationships. We will grow in faith through relationships. Let me read this verse and then explain the makeup of the early church. We're told that they worship together at the temple each day in verse 46. They worship together at the temple and then met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback Church, who authored the best-selling book of all time other than the Bible. That's pretty good, right? Uh, Purpose-Driven Life. He wrote a book called Purpose-Driven Church. And in there, he talks about the makeup of the early New Testament church in the book of Acts, which in one day exploded to like 3,000 people when 3,000 gave their lives to Jesus. Now, most of that crowd dispersed back to surrounding regions because they were in town for a festival. But at one point, most scholars agree that church in Jerusalem uh, ballooned to like 50,000 Christians. And you go, well, how in the world could they all meet together at the temple? That, that's impossible. Like, how did they make that happen? And when we see they met at the temple each day, right? It's like, well, 50,000 there each day? No, highly doubtful. But there was probably a rotation of gathering to hear God's word. And then we're told that they actually met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals and they had discussion. Here's what was taking place. The early church was about gathering at the temple, but they were also about the importance of tables, right? So this idea that like, yes, large gathering is good, but small gathering is necessary too. What that means is that Awaken Church, hey, we, we love these rows. We wanna see these seats fill up and we wanna create more seats for more people to come here about Jesus. But we also wanna create circles where you can get to know each other, discuss God's word, share meals together, pray for one another, right? Like the importance of a smaller gathering is critical, critical to the health of a church. And what that looked like or why they did that, you go, why, why in the world did they see the need to meet in homes? Y'all, that's what they saw Jesus do. The leaders of the early church, Peter, John, James, these guys, I imagine once the explosion took place and all the people were now following Jesus, they were like, okay, well, let's just do with them what Jesus did with us. And they split them up into these different home groups. Hey, Peter, you got a house? Yeah, I got a house. I can take about 20. Cool. We'll put a house, we'll put a, put a group over there. What about you, James? You got a house? I got, I got one. I'm good. What about you, Bartholomew? Yeah, I'm good. What about you, Titus? Well, I live with my mama. That's fine. Like, we'll use your living room. You know, like, they, they, they figured out all these different host homes, and then they put, they just filled them up with people that probably lived in proximity. And it was there that they shared meals. And it was there that they prayed for one another. 
And it was there that they served their localized community together. They met the needs of the orphans and the widows, and they served the city. This, this is the picture that we have in the New Testament. And so when I think about what we want to be about at Awakened Church, and this is so vital to who we are, listen, you're going to grow in your faith through relationships with other people. Now, yes, I want you, we have to grow in God's word, right? We have to grow in prayer. We, we have to grow, like, that's integral to who we're going to be. But I'm proposing, and what we believe as a church, is you're going to do that in a better and stronger and more efficient way if there's other people doing that with you. In other words, yes, you want to grow in your knowledge of the book of John. But I promise you, you're going to grow to a greater understanding, and it's going to last longer And your faith will be increased more if you grow in your knowledge of the book of John with somebody with you. You follow me? This is is the relationships that we're talking about. And I can tell, standing right here, my faith has grown over the last eight years at Awakened Church. Yes, by what I've read in the Bible. Yes, by the songs that I've sung. Yes, by the prayers that I've prayed. But when I look across this church, the stories of what God has done in and through the lives of people in this room, that has increased my faith exponentially exponentially. And so when I think about the value of what it means to grow in faith, you got to do that in relationship with other people. And the best way we found to do that, really two ways, but one vehicle is our small groups. That's why we promote the sign up of them. We got two semesters, fall and spring. And that's why we're encouraging you to get into a small group. It's a group of 12 to 25 people studying everything from parenting to marriage to book studies in the Bible to discussion-based from the sermon. You can find all those out in the foyer. And one of the things I'm really excited about that we've equipped our group leaders with and we're equipping our church with is a resource called Right Now Media. Some of you may have heard of it. But Right Now Media is a digital resource. It's a library of over 20,000 different studies. It's video-based. What that means is if you've got a question about it, it's on this resource. And what we've done is created an account called Awaken Church. We've footed the cost for that so that every single person in this room and connected to Awaken has access to this digital library. What that means is that uh, when you wake up one day, like I have in the past, and gone, man, I feel like yesterday I sucked as a dad. I'm just not good at parenting. Guess what? We now have a resource that you can go to and maybe pick up a six or eight week study on what it means to be a godly father. Previously, you just have to just go to Barnes and Noble, right? And ask the lady at the counter, hey, uh, yeah, I need a resource on the fact that I'm terrible as a father. Great, come up. Nobody wants to do that. And even if you do get that far and you're looking at the bookshelf, you may not know who the author is or what the book study is about. What you have on this resource is we believe in these resources and there's tens of thousands of them for you. And many of our group leaders will be using this resource to work through in small groups, uh, for kids ministry, for youth ministry, for college ministry, for everything you can imagine. Finances, it's all on there. And so today you're getting an email from Right Now Media. If, you don't, if you've never given us your email because you're afraid of getting spammed, you can go to our app or the website and you can get access to this resource. And I believe this is going to help us go deeper in our faith and grow in knowledge and grow in understanding. But let me remind you that Paul, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 said, you can grow in knowledge. You can actually become puffed up in knowledge. But if you have not love, you have nothing. And in order to love, you gotta have other people in your life. So let's be people that are committed to love one another, amen? We grow in faith through relationships. The Apostle Paul also said this in 1 Corinthians 12. 
the human body has many parts, and the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, as the body, the goal would be that we all grow together. It doesn't mean we're all gonna grow at the same rate or at the same pace, but it means that we have care about how each other is actually growing. And the truth is, y'all, sometimes we can get distorted in this, right? It's kind of like people. And my kids are really good at pointing this stuff out, by the way. Kids are honest. And maybe my kids just aren't as holy as yours, but my kid will look at somebody and be like, look, God, look at that lady's neck. It's long, you know? And you look and you're like, man, she actually really does have a long neck. It's amazing. <laughs> now, you don't want to tell her that, but like, how do you tell a seven-year-old girl, like, baby, don't say that about that lady. Or, uh, dad, look, man, his, his arms are long. Like, his fingers are like touching his knees. That's weird. You know, and you're like, yeah, that is kind of weird. Like, his arms grew at a faster rate or it, it's just somewhat different. You know what I mean? Like, it, kids will pick this stuff out real quick. Well, guess what? As a church, because we laugh about that, but as a church, it's, it's possible sometimes to outpace ourselves in certain areas. Like some churches can get really deep when it comes to knowledge and really deep, but they don't really love the community that well. Or they don't really serve people that well. Or some churches can like serve really well and do a lot of missions and outreach, but stay really shallow in this area over here of biblical knowledge. What we want to do is we want to be balanced. As a church, we want to be balanced and we want to be strong. We want you to grow in all these areas. And the best way to do that is to put people in your life that help point that stuff out. Now, trust me, you're not going to get to a small group and no one's going to like make fun of you, right? Like you might be worried about your earlobes or something. You're like, I don't want to join a group. No one's going to do that. And no one's going to look at you and be like, hey, you're terrible at praying. Or you don't know the Bible. Or why don't you ever come to serve on a Sunday? Or hey, I know your giving record. That's not what the church is. We're not designed to be that way. What we are designed to do is go, look, here's the healthy picture of who God wants us to be. I'm calling you up to be that. I need people in my life to do that for me. You need people in your life to do that for you. And that's what we want to do for each other as a church. But you can't do that unless people actually know you and you know other people. Third thing is this. We're going to give generously of our time, talent, and treasure. We give generously of our time, talent, and treasure. The defining mark, one of the most defining marks of the early church that we see in Acts chapter 2 is their honestly foolish approach to generosity. Now here, I mean, like they gave everything away. Tim Keller, Tim Keller's a pastor. He's a pastor that I admire. Like y'all might be thinking, hey, you preach every week, so who do you listen to for preaching? Tim Keller would be one of those guys that I listen to. Listen to his podcast, listen to a lot of his sermons. I've read about every book that he's written. Tim Keller pastors Redeemer Church up in New York. Uh, I think he's mid-60s now brilliant guy, but he was expounding on the, the impact that the early church had in the, the Jewish culture and in the Roman world. And one of the things that he said, and I want to read this because I feel like this is profound and it speaks to where we are, I think, as a culture today. He said this, he said, the early church was strikingly different from the culture. The pagan society 
And when he says pagan, he means the non-Christian society they lived in. Which, by the way, don't, don't leave today, and anybody you don't know in church, don't call him a pagan. That's just, that's just not good, okay? But he says the, the pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. A pagan gave nobody their money and practically gave everybody their body. And then the Christians came along and gave practically nobody their body, and they gave practically everybody their money. Let me read it again, because there's this contrast. There's the world, the Roman world, think Jerusalem, think Antioch, think Ephesus, think these big cities in the first century. And they lived this way. They were stingy with their money, so it's a get-all-you-can mentality. And they were sexually promiscuous with their bodies. In other words, complete hedonism. Do whatever you want sexually. When I think about the world that we live in today, culturally, can we just agree that's kind of the society that we live in? Let's get as much money as we can, and let's do whatever makes us feel good. The Christians come along in that culture and do this. The Christians come along, and they give nobody their body. In other words, hey, we're called apart. We're going to be holy in the way that we live. Right? We're going to honor what God designed the body to be for and like. We're going to honor marriage between a man and a woman. But we're going to give everything away. They, they, they were countercultural. So the world looks in at this group of people going, wait, they've committed to holiness and they've committed to generosity. The exact opposite of the world that they lived in. Can I just remind us that if we're going to be called apart and sanctified as the people of God, we've got to be committed to the same things. It doesn't mean we're against culture by any means. Because listen, we exist for the good of the culture. We want to affect it, right? Jesus said, be salt and light. In other words, whatever you walk into, make it better. And I believe the church is designed to be that. But we cannot just assimilate into the culture and live by the same standards. We have to stand apart from the culture. They gave everything away, but they didn't give their bodies away. They were counter cultural in every way. Listen, we, we've, we've committed here at Awaken Church that we're going to give generously of our time, talent, and treasure. What does that actually mean? Well, it means any given Sunday, any given weekend, there are hundreds of hours of volunteers put in at this church, whether it's cameras or kids or worship, whether it's follow-up after the service processing all these cards that you might turn in, people giving their time and their talents, their gifts to be mobilized for mission, and, and they're, they're giving themselves to the church to do that. When I think about money, the fact that we give our tithes generously to the Lord and we give offerings above and beyond that. Y'all, as a church, we've committed to give generously to the city. Over the past five years, I had uh, our lead pastor of operations, Sean Ferguson, who, by the way, preached an amazing message on generosity a couple weeks ago. Uh, I had Sean run a report over the last five years. How much money have we given in missions and outreach here at Awaken Church? And y'all, we've given close to $600,000 away over the last five years the nonprofits and organizations in our city to bless our city. That's beautiful. Now, you go, what's the point and why do we do that? Here's why. It's, it's for organizations like Halos when we talk about a school supply drive. Halos is a, a kinship care program. These kids that are being cared for by people who are not their parents, guardians who have stepped in to fill a gap, it's a chance for us as the church, the people of God, 
to help supply them to go back to school. Not so Awakened Church gets glory, but that one day when that kid realizes, hey, I got a backpack from the church, God provided for me through his church. God gets the glory for it. That's why we give to this organization. I think about all of our t-shirts that we print. Right across the street is the jail, the county jail. There's an organization called Turning Leaf Project. You can see the sign if you turn out from a parking lot and take a left. This is a print shop based out of the jail that helps these inmates gain skills so that when they're released, they can actually get jobs in the real world. It's the reason we partner with Turning Leaf Project to print all these shirts. Why? Because we want to be a blessing to them as they try to help help develop and move these guys on and girls on back into society. It's why we partner with Charleston Hope and partner with Low Country Orphan Relief and why we come behind these organizations to give whatever their needs are to advance good of our city. And we're gonna keep giving generously. We've given when it didn't make sense. We gave when we were trying to build those risers. We gave away when we we're trying to move into this facility. We've given when it's stupid to give, to be honest, according to the world standards. But we wanna be generous as a church, amen? That's what we're called to be, and we're gonna continue to do that. You ask why. Jesus said this himself in Acts chapter 20. He said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And those of you who are actively giving, you already know that principle. And for those who haven't started to experience that, let me invite you to start giving your time, your talent, and your treasure. Third thing we're gonna, or fourth thing we're gonna stand on, our fourth value that we really build on here at Awaken Church is that we're gonna go after our one. We go after our one. Now the great commission, the last thing that Jesus told his disciples In Matthew chapter 28, he said, go make disciples. That's the great commission. Go make disciples. But a lot of times when we hear disciples, it's like this big Christian church plural word. And we're like, how in the world can I make disciples? That's a a big marching order. And what I've discovered, what our team's discovered, and what our church believes in is that disciples are made one by one. One name, one story one conversation at a time. And the truth is, when I look across this room, I think about those watching online, everybody has someone in their life. Someone that is far from God, but close to you. And you know their name. And maybe you've been praying for them and you've got a burden for them, or maybe you just haven't. Maybe you just kind of know of them, but you haven't, you don't really know what to do. We believe as a church, part of our mission and marching order is to partner with you in reaching that person to pray that God would give you a conversation, to help create atmospheres that when you bring them, they can actually encounter Jesus in this space, whether it be a small group, whether it be on a team, whether it be in a service. But we believe we're gonna continue to go after our one. Look at what happened in verse 47. What we find in the early church is that as they were doing the things that God called them to do, verse 47, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day, God added. He didn't just add on Sunday. So it wasn't just, hey, come with me to church, get saved at church. He didn't just add on Wednesday, hey, come with me to a small group, get saved at a small group. It was every single day this stuff was happening. You know what that tells me? It tells me there were conversations taking place in the market. There were conversations taking place at a dinner table on a Tuesday night. There were conversations taking place at a, at a ball game or at a restaurant, right? Like they were at a playground. Maybe on Facebook, obviously not back then. But 
people, the church, were going with the good news of the gospel and they were sharing wherever God took him. And when that happened, people were getting saved. Y'all know that's our job, right, as the church? To carry the good news out to the world, to the people that we have connection and relationship with, share the gospel with them in hopes and beliefs that they'll give their life to Jesus. We're gonna keep going after our one. And maybe today you're here and you are somebody's one and they invited you today. I'm thankful that you're here. But for most of the room, you have somebody. Everybody put a finger up right here. Just one, one finger. You know somebody, keep it up. You know somebody, somebody's name, somebody's story who desperately needs to know the same God that you know. Our hope as a church, we get to partner with you in that to get them in front of him. Amen? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes for me? We're about to wrap up. As you think about how we do church and the emphasis on gathering and growing and giving and going, I believe that every single one of us, when we open up God's word, when we come together for worship like this, we all have a next step in this room. We all have an area to increase our commitment or to grow in. Maybe for you today, it's, hey, I'm committing to the next four weeks. I'm gonna be here for this whole series. I wanna know exactly what this church is about to figure out if this is where I wanna root down. Maybe for you, it's, hey, I need to step into a small group or sign up for a team because I can't really do life on my own anymore. I need other people to pray for me and care for me. And also, I wanna pray for them as well. And maybe today, God's calling you to just step into a small group. Or perhaps today, you heard give and you're like, man, I'm ready to give my talents. I'm ready to give my time away. I'm ready to serve and be used to advance the kingdom of God. And maybe today you step onto a team so you can do that. Or perhaps today, that one that you held up earlier, you feel like God's just speaking to you, hey, it's time to go after them. And it's time to get them in the seat beside you next Sunday. It's time to believe in faith that they're gonna encounter the same God that you know and they're gonna trust Jesus like you have. So no matter what next step you may have over the next couple of moments, I'm gonna ask you to respond on those cards. But before I do that, maybe you're here today and you've never actually trusted Jesus yourself. Maybe you're here and you go, uh, the this, this story of the early church is great, but why did they do that? Listen, they did that because they believed and we believe that God loved you so much. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins. And Jesus was placed in the tomb and on the third day he rose victoriously. He defeated sin and death. And he now sits at the right hand of God the Father. And the Bible says that if you trust he did that and you put your faith in him, you'll be saved. The same way, Acts 2.47, they added to the number daily those who are being saved. The Bible says today is your day of salvation. So if you're here today and you would say, I need to put my faith in Jesus. Today is my day of salvation. I'm gonna ask you when I count to three just to lift your hand. One, two, three. You say, today I wanna trust Jesus. Amen, I see you. Keep it up. Amen. Amen. God, thank you so much for these commitments and these decisions people stepping into relationship with you. God, I pray as a church, as we carry out the calling you've put on us to gather for worship, to grow in our faith, to give generously and to go after our one. God, I pray that we would be able to strengthen these who are stepping into relationship with you as they grow in their faith. Thank you for what you're doing here at Awaken Church. Thank you that you're not done with us and thank you that you have so much more to come for your church here in this city. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.